0: Hello and welcome to Productwise podcast. This is your host, Alexandra Marshikova, and my super special guest today is Geraldine Corrales. Geraldine is a product management professional with more than 15 years of experience in a wide range of industries, from consumer to high-tech products. She has spent most of her career working for multinational companies in France, the US, UK and Mexico, and also speaks French, English and Spanish. In 2019, she joined CityTaps, a French startup dedicated to bringing running water into every home by supporting water utilities in emerging countries. She was recruited to drive the product management activities, but soon extended her responsibilities to lead the entire product development team composed of software engineers, electronics engineers, and telecommunications experts. She currently resides in Mexico and works for CityTaps remotely. Today, we're going to talk about product management as a career path, reinventing oneself through different industries, countries, and products, and overcoming the imposter syndrome. Geraldine, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me in this podcast and virtually meet people.
0: Excellent. Um, so, well, Geraldine, we've we've already touched upon your you know your overall experience, uh, but in the in the introduction. Um, but overall, I'd love to understand how your career in product management starts, since you don't have a very classical path, let's say, to to the product management world. And I know that you have a certain perspective um, about that. So, would you be open to sharing your thoughts on this?
1: Sure. So yes, not a very classical path. I uh, don't have a very traditional product management uh, career. I fell into it by accident. I am what you can call a trailing spouse. So I've been following my husband around the world for different assignments. And every time I've had to reinvent myself, which was both good and, uh, and quite challenging. Uh, I've worked in multiple countries, multiple industries, multiple types of jobs. Um, so I started as a purchasing manager and then moved on to sales and then, um, eventually got offered a job in product management, uh, although I didn't have any product management experience. So I was, uh, at that point in time in the U S looking for a new position. And I applied for a junior product manager, manager position, although I wasn't that junior in my career. Um, but just felt that the uh, job description fit the bill and was also a good point in time for me to settle down a little bit. I had younger kids and I couldn't travel as much as I used to when I was in sales. So I got the job and was a bit surprised that I did get it. And when I asked my boss at the time why she chose me among many people, her reply was, well, in fact, you've been either working or uh, dealing with all the functions that are around product management. And I thought that you would be a very good place to work with them and communicate with them. The product management stuff I can teach you. So um I found the The reply quite interesting and um, did that job for a few months, um, but then moved to another non-junior product management position in less than a year, because it was closer to my house. And uh, a few years later, later in that position, another boss mentioned that uh, for him, product management was the hub of the wheel. And that resonated with that first statement. Um, because basically, what it, his vision was that as a product manager, we're in the middle of everything that's happening in the company. So we deal with um, engineering, we deal with sales, we deal with logistics, manufacturing, finance, and we are to be uh, very effective in communicating with all these functions. So that strikes uh, uh, a note with me, I feel that that's really who I am and that's who I am planning to continue to be for the rest of, of my career. I was talking about multiple countries, so just to name a few, uh, France, the UK and the US. I'm now based in Mexico. Uh, again, following my, my husband, and i volunteered in, uh, in a couple of uh, countries in Africa as well. I've worked for um, an energy distributor. I've worked for a company that made uh, SIM cards for mobile operators. I've worked for a company that made uh, baby products, pacifiers, and so on. One that made greeting cards, one that uh, made uh, vacuums uh, or Hoover, uh, as they call them in the UK, and actually the brand was Hoover, and uh, and a company that did uh, that made uh, water filtration solutions. Prior to my current role uh, as, as a CPO and now CTO in a, a company that builds IoT product or that bases a solution on IoT product, Internet of Things. So today, um, CTTAPS, we have two types of products or solutions. One is a prepayment system for water utilities in emerging countries. uh, The solution is based on smart uh, water meters coupled with a billing solution in the cloud and uh, a solution that reduces uh, water losses for water utilities in, in emerging countries. So my team today is uh, based on five, sorry, four uh, software developers, two electronics engineers, and a doctor uh, in charge of telecommunication. So as you can see, <laughs> non-traditional path.
0: Yes, for sure, but it's very interesting, um, and the the kind of being compared the for product managers to be compared um, uh, to the center of the wheel is is also quite uh, first time I hear that comparison. Um, and indeed, it's true. Uh, you do need to have a certain mastery of communication skills, right, of stakeholder management skills, because um, the ultimate question is how do you actually influence. Uh, the organization at so many layers uh, without having kind of a direct, you know, um, control or direct power over particular teams? Um, And how do you bring everybody under the same, like on the same plane so you can adopt the same vision and align towards that? So that's a really tricky part um, in, you know, in PM's everyday life. Um, And, you know, through your, you know, through your experiences, I wonder, um, what are the skill sets that, that you felt um, had been transferred, let's say, across across all um, of the roles that you took on, and what were kind of the biggest learnings that you then adopted um, in your in your career as a PM?
1: So definitely, interpersonal and communication skills are uh, key. Uh, simplification skills as well. How to break down complex uh, products, projects, problems into manageable chunks. Um, I mean, this is important for uh, a product manager and for many, many uh, other, other jobs. But um, definitely those, uh, those two. Prioritization skills. Uh, we talk a lot, especially in the i t software uh, environment for product management about prioritization so that is something that uh, is really important in my previous life as a product manager in physic in the physical world it's not as important because for for features because really you're building a product and until you have everything in your hands and it's there, doesn't matter which uh, way you do it. Um, You just have to do it the fastest possible. But you still have to prioritize multiple tasks. So prioritization is a skill that everyone uh, needs to have. Now, what I would say is, In each industry or each company, I've learned uh, to master different things. So uh, when I was in the um, grading card business, um, we were purchasing a lot of the stuff that I was supposed to put on the shelf as a product manager. So the most important skill for me was to be able to deal with uh, suppliers. Then I moved into the vacuum Uh, business and the way the company was structured at the time, it was very much an engineering-based company. So the skills I needed to master was working with engineers and technical people and going in the lab and getting on my knees to try things and understanding the language of industrial designers and, and things like that. But then the company was acquired by uh well so it wasn't acquired but the the leadership of the company changed and some new people came coming from uh Rubbermaid. so very basic consumer products versus the complexity of vacuum so Everyone in that came in was very focused on to product, product marketing and how the product supports the sales, rather than the features of the product or the the uh, the key things. There, it was more, uh, what is the what what is my product conveying in terms of emotions and messaging and packaging and uh, other other things. So again, different type of focus, different type of skills that I was able to acquire. And then I did a couple of trainings on IoT product management and agile product management uh, in order to move into the technical um, space. And again New skills, new me, new job. <laughs> um, and what really uh, made me a good fit for my current role at City taps was that I was ticking a lot of the of those boxes. I was ticking the water sector. I had volunteered in Africa. I knew mobile communications. I knew, or at least I had learned agile product management. I had learned IoT. So it was. I was bringing that mix of skills, um, even though I had not been uh, a software product manager or I hadn't um, worked with um, the software developers, I I could bring something on the table that was different. Uh, and, and that's basically why they uh, recruited me. I, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts uh, with uh, someone else. I can't remember her name now, but she was saying how uh, when she was recruiting, she was looking for skills rather than experience as a product manager. And she was even looking for titles on the resume that, was, uh, that were not product managers. And I thought was she was verbalizing a strategy that is very interesting. And that's basically where I come from. Yes, indeed, it's it's fascinating
0: that product management as a, again, career path, um, you can actually jump onto it uh, at any given point in time. And all of the skills that, well, the majority of the skill sets that you probably developed would be transferable depending on the product that you're working on, the space that you're in, and kind of a challenge that um, that you're addressing. So it's a very fluid form of, of leadership, uh, you know, in, for, for, for that matter. Definitely. great, um, Yeah. And you've, you know, you've shared um, that, that one of the before that one of your free achievements um, was overcoming the imposter syndrome every day. And this is something that I hear in almost every C-level executive or VP level executive uh, was also female. So w- what, like, what is your take on this and how do you overcome it on a daily basis or maybe monthly basis?
1: Yes, it's it's very true. So I guess having to reinvent myself every time <laughs> forced me to overcome it because I cannot rely on the experience in that exact same uh, area where I'm suddenly placed to uh, justify that. I am. I am there. So I have to find other ways. I have to actively look for places where I can make uh, a difference and I can have an impact uh, that is visible in the short time. Um, I try to force myself to talk about things uh, I do, but I do with the team. Like I don't talk about uh, myself, of course, Um, but the idea, okay, we did this this together, then yeah, actually I helped a little bit in this. So that that makes me feel a bit better about myself. And uh, in my current role, I've been very, very, very lucky because um, our CEO is very keen on recognizing people skills, contribution, and is and also very aware of um, the gender bias. So the fact that I'm a woman uh, is actually um, even helping me in that setting. Uh, when I joined CityDabs as a product manager, after uh, just uh, four months, I was uh, offered to join the uh, executive team um, because I was a woman, so I was bringing a different perspective together with three men, CEO, CPO, C- uh, sorry, CEO, uh, commercial director, and, and CTO. And uh, they felt that it would be very good for the culture of the company. But also in that those four months, I had made a couple of proposals that they had found uh, very interesting. And I had proved my business, overall business acumen again gained from multiple experiences um and i didn't have to ask so i just i was just offered and and that really gives uh, a confidence boost then a year later uh, our cto left and uh we were faced with a challenge because we could not recruit anyone else uh, due to the COVID situation and the financial situation of the, of the company. So we had to decide, all right, who is going to take care of the technical team now? Is it uh, my counterpart who's the commercial director, who is an engineer by trade, or is it me who deals with them on a daily basis, but is not an engineer at all. And uh, my instinct was, let's see what they decide. And I forced myself to think about what's best for the company, what's best for the people I'm working with, for that technical team. Uh, Would they be better off uh, reporting to the commercial director who also had the other side of the company in his hand or to me with whom they work on an everyday basis and, and are used to, working and also we like working together so i uh, pushed myself and went to the ceo and said i think it would be best to have them report to me for them (laughs) in their best that's in their best interest not not mine and i wasn't even sure i wanted it but I uh, thought so it's a temporary until we the company is uh back on on its feet and uh I can surely hold the house for a bit. Uh it was in January 2021 and we're still in the same structure. It's been working very well for for everyone so far. Uh because we're we're a small uh we're a small company. I have uh like the structure of the solution was very well, uh, built and conceived. It was built for scalability. So I'm not facing too many technical challenges and I have a great team with experts in their own fields, uh, which I can rely on. So, uh, it's been working okay. But I have one anecdote that I, I thought about sharing, uh, about imposter syndrome and, uh, at the beginning of that whole setting, when I became CTO, I had a hard time calling myself CTO. And, uh, I was in a, in a Zoom call with, uh, my CEO and, uh, someone from a bank. We were asking for a, a loan for the company, an innovation loan. So, uh, my CEO introduced uh, me as the, the person in charge of the technical team, although she is not an engineer, uh, but she's doing a good job. And I felt hearing it from someone else instead of me ap- apologizing about it, made me realize how bad it looks for the company and how it uh, damages the whole overall company's uh, credibility by downplaying my role. And that was the beginning of a paradigm change for me. and. Accepting, okay, this is who I am. I am the CTO of the company and I have a different style, but I am the CTO of the company.
0: Yeah, that's uh, thanks a lot for sharing this. This is um, indeed, it, it's uh, sometimes playing it by the ear and hearing it from, from somebody else really brings the perspective onto what exactly needs to be changed. And uh, hopefully this message gets across to all of the females who are, little bit you know always kind of doubting their place and uh gives a little bit more of a powerful um boost uh right to to really take it at the face value if you're doing the director's job or cpo's or a cto's job and this is your title to say that this is your title um i feel we were unconsciously afraid sometimes that somebody's going to think um Bad things, or you know, would uh, would uh, you know judge at, at their particular level, but we rarely control um, somebody else's thoughts or actions. So you know what we do control is is how we represent ourselves and how we sort of put the first foot into the door, and that is something that is fully under a control of the of the female that is uh, presenting herself. Uh, to, you know, to all of the necessary parties. So that's something that we can change already from today onwards and opinions of other people will will exist. Nonetheless, you can't possibly please it, especially, you know, uh, if you think in in a product context, you can't possibly uh, tailor your product for everybody, right? Um, We are not, with any product that we're developing, we are not developing for the whole humanity we're developing for a very particular, you know, persona. So I wonder if we can adopt that thinking, um, to, you know, to the way that we also position ourselves because not everybody will like the products, right? That's impossible. If you're, if you're in for the, you know, uniform, um, popularity, you're <laughs> probably on the wrong planet.
1: Um, but it never happens. Um, That's very true and allow me to add a little bit onto that because another tip that I wanted to share is make sure you listen to your team, make sure they know that they have an open door and uh, create opportunities for feedback. Feedback is key. So if they know that they can tell you when something you did or something you're proposing is not... uh, The best or fit for the purpose or whatever it is then you'll know that they will come to you and they will tell you if you're not doing a good job so therefore if they don't come then you're doing a good job so it's helping with the imposter syndrome and that's exactly the same as asking for feedback and listening to the market listening to your customers to make sure that your product fits what uh what they want then it's the same as a manager. You need to fit what your team needs and your role is going to evolve as your team changes. Um, and back to my CPO, CTO role, it's good today in the company the way it is. The day we will grow, we'll probably, I will probably not be the best person and I will have to decide at that point or the company or altogether will decide what my role will be. Probably more product than technical. Um, but that's just... Life, You evolve by listening to whoever is around you, either a customer or your team.
0: Yeah, so basically, yeah, view yourself as a product, right? That is fit for purpose for a particular team in your role, in your professional Mm -hmm. career. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, good analogy as well. Lots of skills that's, again, transferable both into professional and uh, more for career life. Great. Yes. Uh, so you've you know, you've shared so this was one of the one of kind of an achievements um, and you, we, we've sort of spoke a lot about the challenges that are, you know, that, that arose because, you know, to, to sort of get to that achievement. Um, but outside of, you know, overcoming the imposter syndrome, um, what is the biggest challenge uh, you've had to overcome, you know, throughout your career and, and how did you overcome it?
1: Um, I wouldn't, I I would like to focus more on my current, uh, current job. and because I think that's a problem that's uh, resonating with a lot of the product managers, especially in the B2B area is getting, uh, customer insights, uh, and, and being a B2B product manager. It is a bit tricky when you, uh, when you start, I, I encountered two issues. The first one is literature about B2B product management, uh, either in the shape of books or podcasts or blogs or trainings, whatever there is, um, is very limited. The space is really dominated by B2C. So, um. That was one of the, of the difficulties for me when I started. I, I want to mention, uh, an author because he's been helping me a lot. And I think that might help other people. I have no interest whatsoever with, with him uh, personally, but his name is Daniel Elizalde. And he's just, uh, so he he had a a course for IoT product managers that uh, has been out for a a while. And that's how I got into uh, IoT product management. And he just um, uh, launched a book called the B2B um, Innovator Map, uh, which is very, very useful for B2B product managers. So I strongly recommend... Um, grabbing that on the shelf, if if you are uh, a B two B product manager, the the other issue is getting insights from uh, customers that are uh, big businesses is very hard. And in my case, my customers are mostly in Africa. They're mostly um, government type uh, organization, and you can't extract uh any information from them because culturally so there's the distance. Face to face is difficult. It costs a lot of money, we're a startup, I can't travel there uh every every month. Then uh culturally even when I manage to get someone in front of me, they are not prone to giving feedback. They don't want to upset the person that is in front of them. So you really have to get uh, very deep skills in interviewing to get to the the details. So that means it takes a lot of time. So they need to be available and... um, it's been a, a real real challenge and when i was and when i joined the company the ceo and the commercial director have a lot of experience in the water sector so basically the product was built on their uh inputs and they have very good inputs but then it created a situation where the development team wasn't always sure that we were building the right thing for the market and they were questioning uh because we did a lot of mistakes but even when we were given good input by those people who really know the market, because they were CT taps and not the customer, my team was always questioning, are you sure that's uh, what we need to build? Why are we working on this? And, and so this creates this tension uh, that can only be solved by talking in person to the customers. And uh, I still haven't cracked uh, that nut completely. Um, the best I've been able to do is to go on road trips, go for one full week and talk to five, six, eight water utilities in one country. Uh, first time was, was the excuse that I was new and that I, I need to learn. So I needed them to open the door and talk to me about their business. Uh, the second time I had a very specific uh, objective which and I had the prototype that they wanted to, uh, to show them and get them to react to. I don't know what I'm going to do next time, but that's really the key. I need to find a reason that makes them feel that they can give me an hour or two of their time and then organize a nonstop trip with uh, 10 cities in five weeks, basically spend cities in one week so that's uh i would it say like a big
0: challenge to, yeah because it's um i mean the the core the core kind of reason is um uh and i think it's it's under appreciated right when we're really getting into kind of blue ocean types of the spaces where there's loads of opportunity but also so much to to sort of go back to the basics right in terms of customer discovery right in terms of conducting the interviews in terms of actually physically seeing people you know the end user using the product all of that becomes a lot more complicated when you're dealing with different cultures different languages right government is another additional layer and that inevitably creates the issues within what, not the issues, but the challenges of understanding within your own team. So that's that's a bit of a negative ripple effect, uh, if you may, for, for those difficulties. Yet, I feel, well, I hope that you feel that once you actually onboard the product completely and once you hit the product market fit, or at least the original PMF, um, you will get to that traction, right? And you will get to that kind of impact level, right? That you're creating for all of the users, which is overall what you're striving to achieve as a, as a company um, overall.
1: Yes, for sure, for sure. The um, flip side of um, not being able to have that many interactions with our customers is that whenever we have some, it's uh easy to communicate back to the rest of the team because i can come back from a one-week trip and talk to everyone with all everything i've learned do a presentation and make sure that everyone knows as much as i do um and and it's easier to do than when you're lucky enough to get trickles inside all the time and and you have to organize them and give uh, pre, uh, digest them to feed them into the team. In my case, I just give everything I have. <laughs> so, no, I would say that my, uh, uh, my team is almost as, uh, versed as, as me in what the customer needs and wants. Uh, and, uh, and they are all interested in it. Uh, they're all very keen to learn about the, the customer. Uh, to the point that I was thinking the other day, if one day uh something happens to me and I disappear for uh, a few weeks, any of them can jump in and do my uh my job at least temporarily and make sure we we still build things that matter to the customer.
0: Wonderful. Um and perhaps a final question uh for you, Geraldine. So if you were to you know to go back to the start of your career what would be the advice that you would have given to yourself back then?
1: Um, take any opportunity. Don't plan that uh, for the question, what do you want to do in three years, in five years? Uh, no, or or just have a prepared answer, but know that it's not going to happen. <laughs> so learn learn from everyone around you. Um Listen, follow people, ask to shadow people in their job so so that you get a, a bigger variety of, um, of insights on different functions and make sure that in the mix there is one function where you interact with the customer. Sales is best, but if you're not... Uh, if you feel that you're not a salesperson, find another way as a project project manager that manages projects for customers or wh- whatever that is. Uh, make sure you spend time with a customer because that's uh, a skill that you cannot learn in the books. It, you can only learn it uh, hands on, and uh, and and it's essential in any position in a company. And, uh, and then the other two, um, pieces of advice is now that, uh, internet is available, which wasn't at the beginning of my career. Um, but you have so much, uh, information, blogs, uh, articles, trainings, take advantage of that to broaden your profile and to broaden and deepen your profile. And finally, uh, network, Um, reach out to people out of the blue. Uh, I learned that when I was looking for a job uh, in the U.S. Um, Looking for a job is a job. And so you spend your life on LinkedIn, trying to connect with people and organizing coffee breaks and lunches and trying to find the next person that can give you uh, information about the company or connections or And uh, I've learned to enjoy that. So when I came back to France and started to become a CTO for CityTaps, I was like, okay, well, now what do I do? Well, let's just go on LinkedIn and see CTOs in the Paris region and reach out to a few and see if they would accept to talk to me. And that introduced me in several networks and, and I keep learning every day with that. So I think if someone comes out of school and masters those skills, they can only do good.
0: I think the last one that you noted is, is spot on. Um, the, uh, the, there's a report from one of the VCs that came out recently, and they obviously the majority of the companies right now have a debate. Do we go back to office? Do we do 100% remote? Funnily enough and unsurprisingly enough, the cohort that experiences most of the disconnect and wants to actually be in the office a move for junior PMs or also junior, you know, junior junior joiners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to the company because of that kind of a community feel, because of you the fact that you can learn from others and because of the fact that you can see, oh well, others are going through the same things that I'm going through. They're experiencing the problems that I'm experiencing. So how do they actually resolve that problem so you can actually learn and you learn a lot faster from from your, you know, from your community of individuals who are in the same boat as you are, rather than from, you know, as you said books or potentially anything else. So it's uh, uh yeah. How do we do that in a digital age right now that we're in 2022 and the uh, prospects of all of the companies being, you know, in the back to the office is, is, is pretty, pretty slim. So how do we make sure that, you know, we're part of the communities that we belong to, be it in product, be it in engineering leadership, and that we continue on communication um, going forward, uh, you know, without even a specific kind of agenda in mind, be it finding a specific role or so. So how do we grasp that knowledge from the community? Yeah, go to one. as
1: many meetups and themed breakfasts and whatever uh, there is uh, as a as a young professional. I think it will be it would be very helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But what you what you said effectively as well. You know, it's important throughout the stage all of the stages for your career to just remember about your communities and continue that reach out all the time rather than you know i'm open for a role now i start So you know reaching out to people it doesn't stop ever um mm-hmm. so definitely agree with you on that uh, i wish i wish actually i did that a little bit more otherwise you're a little bit like a racehorse you know you're just looking at one particular path and then you don't see everything else um it's it's tough excellent
1: yeah, Sorry, just one Sorry. last piece of uh of advice that I've learned again from looking for a job in the u s um, maintain your network when you meet people and you meet them once uh make sure you connect back to them even six months a year later, two years later uh one of my contacts in the u s has a discipline of sending Uh, twice yearly emails to his whole network in BCC, where he basically updates them on what he's doing and the stuff that is interesting uh, him at the time. And he always ends by uh, adding an article or a quote or something that he finds might be valuable to others. I personally haven't started that, but every time I receive an email from him, I'm, I'm reminded that he exists and that he's someone I can rely on and I can go back to and, and, uh, and it just feels good. So especially if you're young and you're starting this and your network is not that big yet, make sure you keep in touch with them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good one, actually. My might actually even adopt it uh, my, for myself. So thanks a lot for the tip. <laughs> um, super. Well, Geraldine, thank you so much for, for sharing your experience today. It's, uh, um, it's, it, it's been really quite eye-opening. And uh, thanks for sharing all of the personal details about overcoming the imposter syndrome, you know, sharing your learnings, uh, your kind of things that you you wish you knew um, at the start of the career. Uh, already a couple of golden nuggets um, that I've shortlisted on my to-do list. Um, so really enjoy the conversation and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to to speak again soon.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation as well.
0: Perfect. Thank you.